0: Welcome to the discussion, Learning and Your Agency's Mission, sponsored by Blackboard. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Bryna Dash, the Vice President of Government and Corporate Business at Blackboard. Bryna, welcome to the discussion.
1: Thank you, Jason.
0: Let me set just a little bit of context before we get started. If agencies hadn't already moved training online, the pandemic most definitely forced that change. The Defense Department, for example, is massively overhauling the way it trains troops and civilians by hosting courses in a singular online repository. While the Pentagon conceived this concept as early as 2016, the pandemic created that sense of urgency to make the change. DoD says its joint knowledge online system has been hitting record highs, delivering more than 500,000 hours of training every week. Another example is the Government Education and Training Network a consortium of multiple agencies including the FAA, the Air Force, the Air Force Reserve Command, the Air National Guard, the Defense Health Agency, and the Department of Justice. G.E.T.N. depends on distance learning network across the U.S. and dozens of international sites. G.E.T.N. distributes its training content via a video-based distance learning program. These are just two examples that show today more than ever, agencies are relying on teaching and learning technology to deliver training to their employees. And that technology is not only mission critical, but the data drives decisions about the current and future workforce needs, skills, skill gaps, and training requirements. Agencies are finding more value in online training and education, and the data that comes from it. There are steps and considerations to build on that urgency the lessons from the pandemic has provided. And that is where my guest comes in. Bryna Dash is the Vice President of Government and Corporate Business at Blackboard, and she's going to tell us how the current and future state of online learning is evolving. So Bryna, let's just start training has been evolving. We know it has. What have you seen? What has Blackboard seen both from your government customers and from the private sector?
1: Absolutely, Jason. And I know you wanted to look in recent history, the changes we've seen. We've been in the government space for over a decade now, but the most recent changes are around the use cases by which the government's employing the technology that they've already been enjoying and using for specific Maybe traditional training scenarios, but now they're expanding out to leverage that technology for different use cases like on the job training. So typically we think about training, you have to come in to the travel into a facility, take a course, maybe it's a two day course, maybe for certain programs and certifications, it could be a two week course but now we can do all kinds of different workflows of training, including on the job. And great example of this is at USDA, one of our clients who is using on the job training when they have to shift inspections of different agriculture products. So where as an inspector may be very proficient in inspecting avocados, but they need to go inspect peanuts, they can pull down the right training at the time that they need it, go over that and be able to move out on the mission set. They don't have to come back into the training facility or reach out to anybody else to get the assets that they need. Um, Another use case we see is communities of interest. So our NASA JPL customer used Blackboard not just for their training across their employee base, but also for communities of interest around the Mars 2020 launch and enabling different professionals from across different disciplines to really communicate and collaborate with one another in a teaching and learning sort of way, um, regardless of formal classes.
0: A Couple of things I wanna back up on. First of all, the USDA example is really helpful because what we're seeing is really just-in-time learning. Okay, I have a new thing I need to understand. Inspecting food may have 80% the same, but that 20% is so key to make sure those peanuts, as in your example, are are good to, to be consumed by people or animals or whomever is eating them. Is that when when you talk to agencies, do they want that just-in-time learning, just in just like we hear in procurement, just-in-time delivery of of goods and services?
1: Sure, micro learning is a, a phenomenon within and outside of government. So, being able to provide content in a more informal, more consumable way is extremely important, especially now. So, the interest in micro learning has only you know increased because of the pandemic. So. Blackboard's already employing that with lots of our customers and USDA is one example of a way to to leverage micro learning and having bite-sized pieces of content that your learners can grab and use on the job
0: when an agency decides to okay we need some micro learning on a topic does they have to take a course that is let's say three weeks and and cut it down to what's the three hours that's the most important thing and and can Blackboard help them with that or is that Is it done a different way walk me through kind of that process a little bit if you can
1: it really depends on the agency the content they already have and what their 2d state is that they desire but we absolutely work with agencies on their content development it is actually one thing that's very different about government from corporate is in the corporate world you're using content from third parties that you buy it's pretty static and standard they're doing certification annual type training to check the box in a lot of the cases not all the cases certainly And with the government, you have very specific mission sets with very specific content and that content is the value of the training program. And so, yes, we take seriously the content, how it's developed, how we engage the learners in that content, how the instructors present the content so that in total the mission is successful.
0: I had a great conversation the other day with the Coast Guard and their chief learning officer and their chief information officer. And one of the things that they brought up is a move to blended learning. In many ways, what we're seeing with just in time is part of not just their move, but the move across a lot of different agencies. And, and you mentioned the pandemic and how the pandemic is, is really, if you will, forcing a different type of learning. Is, are you seeing more interest in this just in time learning or more interest in micro learning because of the pandemic or what other changes are you also seeing?
1: So blended learning has been around a long time. Um, That's really where Blackboard excels, where we excel with our clients is when they have the use case that they have classroom-based learning, they have online learning, and they're trying to optimize that. So I'm never going to say that every learning needs to happen online, Jason, because there are things that the government does that will not, like at the firing range, we're not going to move that online. But what U.S. courts did is they have Blackboard on tablets in the field at the firing range and they're recording how their officers are doing. And that data and the value of that data is extremely important, especially as they look at their programs over long periods of time, how they're improving and changes they're making to their programs to improve the mission that they have to fulfill.
0: That's a really fascinating example because I think... You, you think, okay, well, if I have to go to a firing range, I'll show up, I'll do, I'll take my training and I'll go back home, but then you add that online piece and you get real-time feedback, you get real-time input, and then the managers also understand, you know, Joe did well, Mary did well, but, but Ken didn't do so well. Okay, we, maybe he needs some different type of, of training or, or we need to help him learn better. Did the pandemic also f- push this blended learning even further because so much more had to be moved online and less can be done in person?
1: Absolutely. So a great example of that is pipeline safety. Fimsa is also a client. They did, as I was saying, their mission was is in pipeline safety. They have to actually go inspect thousands and thousands of miles of pipeline in the country. And that is in the field, right? They can't do that. They haven't been training for that online, but they are now. And what they found is that they can do it online. Not only can they do the blended learning aspects and um, the initial learning aspects online, but they can create the teams that they use in the field in an online environment and make sure that those teams are working together in the varied roles and parts of the inspection, that they are successful when they do go out in the field for an actual inspection versus the training.
0: What have you seen as the biggest challenge during the pandemic in terms of how agencies have had to evolve is it just getting the right classes in place for the just-in-time piece? Is it the understanding, okay, this used to be done only in person, how do we shift online? What, what, what are some of those things you're seeing?
1: So it really depends on where they're coming from. I mean, agencies, the government's huge, agency mission, mission set is huge, and different programs are in different places of maturity. Um, some agencies are still using Excel spreadsheets. They just are, and they just need basic automation so they can get out of the management of the courses and into the content and the mission of the courses. And, and that you know, can be a first step, it could be actually a second step for a lot of agencies. Um, agencies have been relying on enterprise systems for their training, so they've had to use systems that were bought primarily for other purposes, for their education. And they're finding that that's not fully fitting all the requirements that they have. And they need systems that are focused solely on education and pedagogy and the things that we've been talking about, Jason, around improving their programs over time. So it really depends where they are in the evolution of what their next step is. Some of our um, more mature clients who, you know, are pretty advanced with the technology have already automated, a lot of this have already been using data to iterate their programs for many, many years. What they're looking at now is how do I connect that data to my mission's data? So for example, if I'm, if I'm training on how to maintain aircraft, are the aircraft in flight longer? And really connecting those data sets so that they can then say, okay, what changes do I need to make to improve the metrics of the mission, not just the metrics of teaching?
0: The metrics piece is really interesting too, because I think, how do you measure what's happening? How do we measure the impact of the learning? And I think we're going to get to some of the data conversation in a little bit, but before we do, I just want to go back to one thing you said as well, which is in the corporate world or the private sector, a lot of the training is static. A lot of the training is you buy it from a third party because it's, it's maybe Sarbanes-Oxley or it's something else for cybersecurity. While in government, you have the person who needs to understand how to inspect peanuts, or the person who has to under, understand how to inspect a pipeline. Is, the, is that the biggest difference you're seeing between government and, and private sector, or are there other ones?
1: The, one of the biggest difference actually isn't about the learning or the pedagogy, it's technical in nature, Jason. A big, a big difference is security. Um, So in the corporate space, we don't always need to employ the same security protocols as in government. And that is serious. The things that we're training on are serious. And we take that seriously. We invest millions of dollars in the security of our products so that the government can use them for nearly anything. So we are able to put Blackboard on a secure network, a closed network, out on the dot com network for you know full accessibility and availability of public training that the government offers and we can cover all those paradigms but i think being able to do that is is extremely different than in the private sector of course there are other differences too um around the use cases that i mentioned because the use cases are varied i mean the government is not just training its employees They are training stakeholders. They're training other countries. They're training across government agencies. So you'll have an agency that has a mission to train other agencies, right? And how do they do that? These are not um, insignificant things for the government to accomplish and overcome, and they've been doing it extremely well. Um, I do think it's much more complicated in the government.
0: You almost said it. I thought you were gonna go down that path and, and we're gonna have a good FedRAMP conversation, but we won't because we don't wanna bore the audience too much, but you're right. I mean, there's no FedRAMP in the private sector. They, they'll ask you, here's your SLAs, here's the security we need. You guys will say yes or no, and you'll go from there. But with government, you have a minimum set of security requirements, and, and then you have to then you have to build from that, and as you said, it can be on a closed network, a secure network, or on, on more of a, of a public network. Um, Brian, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation and maybe jump into that data discussion. You're listening to the discussion, Learning and Your Agency's Mission, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. Are you keeping your team mission ready? Blackboard provides cloud-based learning solutions to government agencies of all sizes. Intuitive, scalable, and FedRAMP authorized. Blackboard is already meeting the training needs of today's remote government workers. Use built-in analytics to track your team's progress and ensure your mission outcomes. For over 20 years, Blackboard has focused on one thing, learning keep your team prepared for what's next with blackboard learn more at blackboard.com slash government that's blackboard.com slash government welcome back to the discussion learning and your agency's mission sponsored by blackboard on federal news network i'm your host jason miller my guest today is brian adash the vice president of government and corporate business at blackboard now brian before break we're talking a little bit about the differences between government and private sector training but there's also some trends that are very similar. There's a lot of similarities, of course. What are some of those trends you're seeing or that agencies really should keep in mind over the next couple years?
1: Certainly, one of the trends that we're seeing is the move to cloud, and this has been happening for several years, but we expect it's going to continue. There's quite, quite a lot of teaching and learning still happening in data centers versus in the cloud. And the agencies that have already moved to the cloud speak you know, on and on and on about the benefits of it, right? The primary benefit that you'll hear them talk about is innovation because vendors are putting all their new functionality and all the new um, widgets that they come up with in the cloud. And all of that innovation is available to the agencies that have moved. And they're not necessarily backporting that technology to their older versions of their software. And they're able to do things like we've seen during the pandemic to scale. So, you can see this with virtual classrooms and the technology uh, that you use every day for virtual meetings in your agencies is that the need for that technology has skyrocketed, and vendors' ability to scale that technology reliably has been amazing. And these types of things are the trends that we're seeing. Um, if you talk to the agencies that are using these technologies the most for their teaching and learning, You'll also hear them say that they don't plan to revert back to the levels that they used them before. So maybe an agency was using the technology at a 20% level. So they were doing 20% of their programs in a virtual classroom. And now they're at 100%. They don't expect to go back to the 20%, Jason. They're going to stay up near that 100% because they are reaping the benefits of that. Um, not just cost savings, but things we talked about before about the data that they're able to use to improve their own programs and improve the learning experience and improve how their teachers are, their instructors are presenting the materials.
0: I think the one thing we've all been talking about since the pandemic hit is we're not going back, right? Going back to the office, going back to even in-person events we've heard a lot about. But learning is one of those things you do have to find that happy medium. It's one of the things I think I learned from the Coast Guard during my interview with them was around this idea of some people want that face-to-face connection and the instructors have to understand that, okay, in, in a classroom, you can connect with people with your eyes. You can connect with people through other methods, you know, nonverbal communication. But when you're online, that's much harder to do. So uh, I think that the, the, the cloud provides that opportunity to, as you said, scale up, come back down, find that happy medium. Are, are agencies yet having that conversation about what is the happy medium? Or do you think that's going to come maybe next summer once things in the pandemic have settled down even more?
1: they're absolutely planning for it already with their budget cycles, right? They're seeing their savings on travel and expense, their savings on facilities. These are things that promise of online learning has said for a long time, but we've been hesitant to really try it for things that we viewed as being wholly face-to-face. Now, I'm not saying everything's gonna go online. It's definitely not. We've already talked about that. But finding that medium is now a lot easier for agencies because they had to try it and they know where that breakpoint is. And honestly, it's, it's, it's been embedded in the systems. It's also policy driven. Some of these courses cannot be put online for policy reasons. It wasn't because of want or inabilities or anything like that.
0: It would be interesting to see it as we stay at home, as we get more comfortable and more comfortable working from home and learning from home, will those policies also be addressed? Will all of a sudden someone go, you know, we always thought that had to be done this way. Now we can do it this other way, which is online. I mean, DOD found that with a lot of their classified work outside of our conversation. We go down a different tangent, but they said, we always did it this way, but do we have to? And the answer was, no, you didn't have to. I I think you may see some of that happen too.
1: Well, that's a big difference between the civilian side of government and the defense side of government in terms of education materials. So on the civilian side, it's viewed at a lower classification level. Anything that's teaching and learning is a lower classification level automatically. In the Defense Department, it's much more difficult because things have been stamped as for for official use only or CUI over long periods of time. And unraveling that and figuring that out is very difficult. And so re-architecting the content so that it can be more widely distributed um, to more people who need that material, especially now during the pandemic, um, is really important to relook at.
0: Brian, right, I'm gonna shift gears just a little bit. We've been talking a lot about the current state and how it's being evolved, but agencies now have to take a half a step back and say, Okay, what do I want the future to look like? How do I modernize? How do I upgrade these systems, whether it's education technology or learning management systems? What are some of those considerations that you all would recommend from Blackboard's perspective?
1: So one of the things that comes to mind right away from what we just talked about in terms of, you know, how do you engage the learners is accessibility. So the government is a leader in accessibility, 508 compliance, the government has led on this the user interfaces of these technologies have to be 508 compliant. That's a given. What about the content? How do we deliver the content in a way where we're meeting the learner the best way that they learn? So if you're thinking about flipping through a PowerPoint to get to a quiz at the end, that's one type of presentation of content. What about audio files, video? What about translating it into different languages? What about having an online reader? So as you're reading it, it's highlighting with you. These technologies exist today and improve not just accessibility for accessibility's sake, but they, for accessibility's sake, but also they help the learner, right? You're meeting them where they learn best. And that's gonna be what helps overall. So accessibility is really, really critical in all of this too. Um, the other thing I would say is open standards. We know that there's going to be lots of tooling in a learning ecosystem. It's not going to be any one system that can do everything that the agency needs. We've talked about all different kinds of use cases and workflows, and that's going to take an ecosystem of tools. You need to make sure that everything that's in that ecosystem follows open standards so that things can work together, and so we're not locking ourselves into um, technology decisions that we have to live with for 10 years because we can't evolve as innovation is happening. And right now, innovation is happening in the education space because it has to. So if you want your agency to reap the benefits of that, we have to make sure we're choosing technologies that are open by nature and understand that there are not a one size fits all and that they're part of a larger ecosystem where things have to work together. Um, The last thing I'll say about about things to consider is that we've seen a tendency towards um, trying to recreate commercial offerings within government. This is really tricky slope to go down for the same reasons government agencies that pick up free technologies and then put them in the cloud and then hire an integrator to maintain them and then hire a separate integrator to implement them and customize them and then a separate integrator to support them. That's GOTS, government off the shelf, where we have COTS, commercial off the shelf, that's already done that at scale for thousands of customers at a lower price point. So we just really need to think about what we're trying to do for not just the short term, but also the long term, and make sure that we're making good, solid long-term decisions for for our learners, for our instructors, and being able to get them the best innovation over time and not locking into something that's a one-off.
0: You wanna go back to the accessibility piece for a second and kind of meeting the learners the way they learn best. One of the things that you, you, as you bring up online readers, different languages, audio, video, is, is is this community also starting to say, okay, how can AI and machine learning start to help us? Where does that fit into the discussion of helping learners learn better?
1: Absolutely. So a lot of times you'll see in learning management systems, reporting is like a separate tab, a separate module, or maybe an agency has like a separate reporting place where they're trying to figure out what's going on and do the analysis, we're really focused on providing that context in the flow of the work. So, for example, if I'm an instructor of a class that I can see who are my engaged, unengaged learners through actual metrics in the system and I know where to focus my efforts um, to engage them if they're not already. At a broader scale, you could say, you know, who are my engaged employees? Because you could use this technology across more than just your courses, of course. So, yes, I think that it's not just about AI, it's about AI in the flow of the work you're doing in context so that you can adjust in real time to make sure that every learner is successful and every instructor is successful.
0: Now I told you we'd get back to the data discussion and that's what we're having really because what the AI and the ML and, and these tools are doing is really giving you real-time analytics. Now this the data goes even further because an agency can say, What's the career path of again, Susie, or what's the career path of of you know John? And okay, how do we lay out that career path in a way that shows that okay, if you want to get to a senior executive position by the time, you know, the next 10 years, here's how you get there or here's a path you can follow. Talk to me a little bit about the data analytics that that agencies can now use because everything is moved online, everything's in the cloud, everything is is more accessible.
1: Well, the government's already really good at learning paths. So
0: we already know
1: like what are the 10 courses you need to get a certain certification and things like this. So that very structured nature is, is great for traditional LMSs. What you're missing is the Um, lifelong learning of the employee or or the stakeholder in your mission around what do they want to do beyond that. And that's where AI comes in. It's really filling the gaps from what you already know from years and years of doing this really well and being able to supplement and augment that based on that individual's interests and being more personal with how you deal with an employee versus these are the time courses you need to take. And these are the order in which you need
0: to take them. I know a lot of what the government is doing is looking at not just that young person who comes into government, but really as you mentioned the lifelong learner because there's always that bathtub effect of the middle career people and They've been over the years looking at the mid career people. So I think having that career path, having that understanding of how to get from point A to point B to point C is hugely important. Uh, Brianna, we're just about out of time before I let you go. Gotta ask you, what's the big takeaway from our conversation today? If there's one thing you wanna leave the audience with about education, technology, and and learning in the government, what would it be?
1: I'm just so glad we're having this conversation. I mean, our people are the biggest assets, right? I mean, in government, it's about how do we, and and this last um, point we were making about personalizing the experience, We really want to keep the new employees who are coming into the government interested and make them successful. We want the people in the middle stage of their career to continue to be curious and to be interested to maybe shift what they're doing and apply their skill sets to a new mission. And being able to pivot is extremely important right now. And we don't want to learn, we don't want to lose the interest of our knowledge holders, right? We want them to engage with the rest of the workforce to make sure that we're successful over the long term. So, I really think that is the takeaway. And I think now is the time, because of the pandemic especially, when agencies can really relook at this and say, do we have what we need? Are we using what we have to make do, or can we make material improvements now for the long term? And that's really exciting.
0: All about the outcomes. How, what, what's the final outcome you're looking for? Bryna, this has been a great conversation. Let me thank my guest. Bryna Dash is the Vice President of Government and Corporate Business at Blackboard. Bryna, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you, Jason.
0: I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Learning and Your Agency's Mission, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Blackboard. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Learning and Your Agency's Mission, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission.